Welcome to Get Your Head Back in the Game. This is a podcast about the amazing human spirit to overcome setbacks and stories to inspire you to get your head back in the game. My name is Melissa Ross. I am a mother, a wife, a sibling, a former professional cyclist, a cycling coach, and a serial entrepreneur. I am a traumatic brain injury warrior. I have lost everything and have fought my way back step by step. And I invite you to do the same. So get ready to join me for this wild ride. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 12 of Get Your Head Back in the Game. My name is Melissa Ross, and today I am with Lori Atencio. She is a certified vision therapist and was actually the person I worked with through my vision therapy. So I'm super excited to have her on the show today to talk about... um, kind of some of the things that we worked on in vision therapy and go through a lot of common questions and, um, and, you know, explain how certain things work. So, uh, Lori, thank you so much for joining me. Oh, thanks for having me, Melissa. I'm excited to get the word out about your recovery and vision therapy for folks. Awesome. Um, do you want to kind of go through how you, got into vision therapy as a career, and um, I know you've been doing this for a really long time. Yes, I have. So um, when I was in high school, I started working at Snowy Range Vision Center. They, I got hired part-time. I was their part-time errand girl I'm way back in the day when we were using electronic typewriters and there were no computers in the office, that kind of thing. So, um, but I was uh, going to graduate from high school, wanted to go to college at UW and knew I wanted to do something medical or in the sciences. Um, so I enrolled in school and uh, Dr. Lowe knew I was interested in medical. So she started training me to be a vision therapist for her. Um, so I, it just kind of morphed into a um, continue to go to school, do vision therapy, deciding I love doing vision therapy. And um, so I made that my career path. So I've been here ever since. Wow. Um, and like when we're talking about your day-to-day um, activities, are you seeing, like, what type of patients do you see, um, in terms of, you know, people who would need vision therapy? Um, so there's all different types of people when we're looking at vision therapy, like vision rehabilitation, we call it. Um, I can work with folks that have had head injuries. We can work with, um, maybe some kids that are having trouble with learning. We can work with, geriatric patients who um, are no longer seeing as well as they used to and need special devices to see better for like low vision. Um, We'll do sports vision enhancement. So there's a whole plethora of people that we can see to help through their vision. Um, A lot of times it's all very individualized because we like to get um, 
I'm sure Dr. Lowe spoke to all this. We like to get a, a good case history. We do examinations. Um, we look at what the patient is reporting to us with respect to symptoms that they're having. Um, and then the assessments kind of let us know where everybody comes out with what we would expect normatively for, you know, the visual system. And then we design a program around um, improving those skills, but also making sure that we're traveling down the same path with our patients to make sure that we're all expecting the same outcome. So right. I uh, don't want to get somebody, you know, help somebody to become a better reader when all they wanted to do was, you know, barrel race better and get a better score in the rodeo. Oh, okay. Yeah, that makes so sense. So we look at people's, yeah, we look at your symptoms, we look at your goals, we look at what, you know, our assessments reveal, and then uh, kind of develop a program around there. So I've worked with infants who've had, you know, like, in your utero strokes, and now they've got um, cortical visual impairment. So doing things with them to help improve, like, develop vision. Um, so it's just, it's like Dr. Lowe likes to say less to death. So <laughs> we can, uh, we can see all different age ranges, all different capabilities, um, all different difficulties and just see what we can do to help. Yeah. Wow. Um, I always felt like I was in the right place because, um, you know, when we go to different doctors and stuff, sometimes we talk about symptoms and you don't really get that uh, understanding of what you're going through. But when like we went over the case history and he was just on the first day, I was like, wow, like these guys really understand what, um, what I'm dealing with, um, more uh -huh. than, you know, a lot of other specialists that I had seen pr previously. So it was really, um, I don't know. It was, it was awesome to to feel like that I, I could trust that this process was going to work just fine. <laughs> oh, good. Good. Yeah. We like people to have confidence in, in doing the program and also, you know, have a good understanding of why they're doing what they're going to be doing. So yeah. I think knowledge is power. And so we try to empower everybody that comes in here um, just because, you know, we can have a child who's just like down and out because everybody else is reading and they can't read. Well, they can't read because the print's moving, you right. know, or have some folks that maybe you're in an assisted living place and you've got poor vision, macular degeneration, and you can't see when your friend walks into the lunchroom every day. Yeah. So help them with something that would enable them to do that. Or again, you know, folks like yourself who had a, a head injury, you know, all of a sudden your world is upside down. Well, what are we going to do to help you come back to baseline um, and see if we can get you back to where you were to begin with? Or if we have to help you learn how to do some adaptive things, that's the other aspect of what we're looking at. So right. we, we do it therapeutically and we do it adaptively because there's a lot of different things people can do if they're willing to put in the time and the effort and change some of their habits sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> Which For is sure. hard, I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, do you want to go into talking about um, some of the different things I know we worked on? Um, like the first thing that... Um, 
I feel like I kind of went into was some of the basics in learning what I, I had no idea what convergence and divergence were when I started vision therapy and what that really meant. Do you want to talk about that? Sure, sure. So um, when we look at vision, we know it's a dynamic process and it's more than just, can you see 2020? Do you need a pair of glasses? We look at a bunch of different, what we call visual skills. Um, I know Dr. Lowe was talking about the four Fs, the fixate, focus, follow, fuse, and convergence and divergence has to do with the fuse. So it's fusion and, and what we're talking about there is because um, we have two eyes, right? And how many brains do we have? One. One brain. <laughs> so, and we actually, we see in our brain, our brain is our filter and it's our processor and it's our, um, it connects to a lot of different areas. Um, so vision isn't just in the old occipital lobe in the back of the head, like everybody always thought, but it integrates with all parts of your brain. So um, when we're looking at, at fusion, we have two images coming into our eyes, um, and then they get transferred via your optic nerve down, you know, back to where it needs to go. Um, our eyes have to be coordinated and looking in the appropriate place and both looking at the same place in order to get the same image so our brain can put it together and create depth perception. Right. So I'm really simplifying a very, very complex process, but that's kind of how I look at it. Two eyes, one brain, somehow we have to get those two images together. And when we're doing it appropriately, then um, we get good depth perception and we have comfortable vision. Um, so convergence, when you look at something up close, your eyes naturally kind of pull in or converge, right? They have to look closer, cross yep. a little bit. And there, so you're maintaining alignment so that then it's, you can put those images together and, and create that depth. Yeah. Um, and divergence is more like distance vision when you're looking out far away. Um, it'd be like if you're driving, you're looking at the road, you're in school, you're looking at the chalkboard. Um, so you also have to be able to maintain alignment out there. If you don't, then a lot of times you have blurred vision, double vision, um, difficulty knowing where you're at in space. Yeah. So it's kind of our, our alignment system. It also kind of is a triangulation system, if you think about it, because it also helps you to know spatially where you are and where other objects are in relationship to you. Yeah. Um, the other thing I remember when we started to get into more challenging um, therapy for converging and diverging was um, like walking, you know, walking away from something or moving mm -hmm. while we're doing it. And I remember mm -hmm. that was challenging be at first because it would, the picture would break up when I would move. <laughs> right. Because your system was fragile. There was not a lot of flexibility in there in order to adjust. And when you get closer and further from things, you do have to adjust how much you're converging or diverging. Yeah. Um, and also just the mere fact that your body is moving through space. Now we're looking at integration with directing your motor system. Yeah. So there's a lot that's going on there. So we always kind of start off where people are. If you're someone who can't stand up and do anything, we sit down and do it. Then we 
start standing, then we put you on a balance board, we have you walk <laughs> closer and further, we have you look away and look back. Um, so it, there's different ways of um, loading a procedure that we might do. So we may have one standard procedure, but we can do it a multitude of different ways. Yeah. Um, and all that time, what we're doing is we're, we're not wanting you to learn the procedure. We're not wanting you to integrate that system with all the other systems that your body uses to help you be a successful human being, be it thinking about something, memory, walking through space, um, timing, any of those things, speaking. Right. Um, when, uh, we were working on, um, at the same time, um, like in the beginning, I remember one thing that was really apparent was, um, like I couldn't see in my peripheral vision very well. And mm -hmm. we mm -hmm. did this exercise where I had to stare at something in the middle and then point out things that were, um, in my peripheral. Um, uh -huh. can you explain like what, um, how, how that worked and, um, what was kind of okay. happening. Sure. So again, you know, vision encompasses all different types of things. We're looking at, you know, being able to look at something, we're being able to fixate. Can you stay on it? Can you move your eyes accurately? Can you team your eyes together like the convergence and divergence, or can you focus them and keep things clear? So the, our visual system processes by um, what we call um, focal ambience. So focal would be more like you're looking at something, you identify it. It's reading, it's looking at someone's face, knowing who they are. Um, and then ambient is more the processing that occurs peripherally outside yeah. of you and lets you know where you're at. Now, those two systems work with each other and sometimes you're more focal and sometimes you're more ambient and what they're finding a little bit is um a lot of times if you've had trouble with um with a head injury or that kind of thing all the systems that you have laid down since you were an infant to that point of impact or whatever that occurred um all those systems now are disrupted and so your, your focusing and your ambient system aren't working the way they used to work. Yeah. So if you're seeing double, we work on the focal system, convergence, getting things clear, getting them single. Um, if you're having trouble with like, where am I at in space? I'm not noticing things. I'm bumping into things. I'm dizzy. I have no balance. Um, yeah, we have to work on bringing all of that back and resetting everything. And so, um, I think what happens is you kind of, you have this feedback loop in your brain, your sensory motor feedback. And what happens is it doesn't match the way it used to match. Yeah. So what we have to do is help people. Number one, you have to a lot of times help people become aware of, okay, well, this is the deficit. You're noticing the symptom. Well, this is why you're having this symptom. And these are the things that we can do to help you practice or recalibrate or lay down those new pathways um, so that you can go back and do things the way you used to do them. Yeah. And so when you were looking centrally, 
right? You fixate on something centrally. I think we probably had you do a sheet that had some letters or something around and you had to notice the letters. Now they're going to be fuzzy and that's okay because you're using your peripheral system, your side system to tell you what's there, but you can still see it. So then you can kind of see, oh, well, geez, always to the left, I have a harder time. Then what do we do? You can like therapeutically really work that left side with someone peripherally, or you can start setting things up at your home where, okay, well, I just shift everything to, to the right so that I really have to pay more attention to my left side. I put my cup on my left side. I put my knife and fork on my left side. If I want to, you know, read something, I always have to kind of make sure that I'm kind of paying more attention to the left side. So you can change where things are in space too adaptively to help you with that. Yeah. Was, um, you know, when you sometimes would see like things like in your, like to the side, it looks like some I don't know. It's almost like a ghost. (laughs) You see Mm -hmm. random things um, coming at you. Or um, I used to always see something that really wasn't moving fast, but in my um, side vision, it looked like it'd be coming at me and I would like almost freak out. Um, Mm -hmm. It doesn't really do that very often anymore, but um, it, it used to happen a lot. So I, I felt like I was really sensitive to, you know, things in my peripheral vision. Right. And might have, part of that might have been that you weren't sensitive. So then you were startled. Does right. that make sense? <laughs> yeah. So the information wasn't processing. And then all of a sudden, bam, it's there and you're surprised. Yeah. So you know, when, when you're looking at the brain, it's, it's interesting because everything, you know, everything has to be timed perfectly and it has to be lined up perfectly. And so in order to, you know, get the most accurate information visually. And so those types of things, what you're talking about, we see people have a lot, um, just because number one, two, maybe instead of being peripheral, when you need to be peripheral, you're being more focal. Yeah. So you have to learn how to turn that on and pay attention to it again. Right. And I think that was a big part of being able to get back on my bike again is mm-hmm. that you do so much um, of that when you're riding a bike and you don't really realize it until, you know, you're having issues with it. Um, right. Yeah. And then think of the posture that you're in when you're riding a bike. Yeah. Right. So you're, 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 we've got your vestibular system being stimulated because your head's in a different posture. Your head's being moved around. It's bouncing on, you know, because you trail ride, right? So you're hitting bumps and roots and boulders and all that stuff. Um, And so there's a lot going on that has to be integrated or filtered out, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, and then does some of that go into, um, I know, um, we've kind of talked about the midline shift where you're, Uh you know, you're not really in the space that you think you're in. You're, you're kind of off. Right. Right. So, um, because, because your periphery may not be processing well, you may be assuming that things are, 
either higher or lower or a little further or a little closer. Um, sometimes you can have things shifted more to the left or shifted more to the right. So it's, it's your perception of space that is no longer what it used to be, right? You're not yeah. orienting the same way. Um, and so, yes, yeah, so we noticed that too. Um, with folks that have had head injuries, we like to rule out all these different things that may be contributing to the symptoms that you have. Um, you can help people with midline shift. We use prism lenses. Sometimes you can incorporate that into someone's glasses and it'll actually change their posture oh, wow. um, and help them become more accurate with where things are in space and how they move through space. Um, even like, you know, distributing the weight in your body, if you're more right heavy, you know, um, sometimes, you, you know, like you come down on your right foot and then light on your left foot, you can put prism on someone and help shift that a little bit. Oh, okay. So, um, yeah, so we'll do that. So, or we'll just work with prism in general and really kind of, you know, a lot of times we'll use these special glasses that shift space. Um, they don't change your acuity at all. You can still see clearly, but it may make you feel like, oh, wow, I'm going uphill or I'm going downhill or, oh, I'm walking along the side of a hill. And then you find that your body starts shifting yep. to accommodate that. So we can do it in a disruptive way where we're like shaking your system up and seeing, okay, well, what is your recovery system doing when that happens? How quick can you come back from that? How well can you move through space? Or we can do it more um, directive where we're actually giving you just a little bit of what you need to help do that shift. Yeah. So I remember a couple different ways that we treat that. I remember doing lots of balance beams with those mm -hmm. prism glasses and you'd always up the prism to make it harder <laughs> and, and it would feel like we were disrupting you Melissa <laughs> I feel like I was either in have a really short ceiling or mm -hmm. I was really really tall or the mm -hmm. beam would be super far to the right or to the left and then um and then having to say you know letters and um off yep. of a chart in a random order <laughs> uh-huh I know so so we're again integrating all those things you're calling out letters you're being more focal you're using the prism moving through space you're being more ambient so you're having to kind of find that balance for all of that yeah um and then sometimes you had I remember um, when we got even more challenging, you had balls swinging from the ceiling and I had to move mm -hmm. around them with the glasses mm -hmm. on. And it was, it was kind of terrifying because of my fear of, you know, like running into something. And even though, right. you know, I wasn't going to hurt myself, but I remember that mm -hmm. being <laughs> really hard. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that, you know, the thing we like to do is we try to set up systems in our therapy room that may be something that you may experience in real life, but you've got a safe controlled space to do that. Yeah. And so um, that's what, what our therapy is, is about is finding a good place for you to come in and feel comfortable 
maybe being able to let some of that go. And, um, you know, what I, I always say when we're working with someone with vision therapy, we're not just really doing eyeballs, we're doing the whole person. Yeah. So, you know, people come in with, oh, you know, I had a rough day today or, you know, so, so not only that things that are happening to them, things that they're trying to deal with, but then also different personality types because everybody processes information a little differently. So learning how to, um, you know, meet the patient where they are and then find a way to take them where they're not using number one, their strengths, but then also seeing, okay, well, you may have difficulty with this, but there are ways that we can improve this so it's not so difficult. Yeah. So working towards people's strengths, um, trying to help them with the stuff that they're having difficulty with and, and just make it so that you are meeting your goals, your visual goals with therapy. Yeah. Um, one thing we did that a lot of it was on my own was those um, tinted lenses um, Mm -hmm. to work on light sensitivity. And a lot of it was, um, brightness from being outside. And when I started, I remember every day I would keep all the blinds in the house shut and, Uh um, and my husband would come in and open all the blinds and I would go back through and shut all the blinds. (laughs) (laughs) It was this constant battle of he wanted light in the house Uh and I wanted it dark because uh-huh. it bothered me so much. Yeah, well, you needed it dark. <laughs> Otherwise, you would have not been comfortable, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. But we we did a lot with those um, tinted lenses. And I remember the way you explained how they how they worked. Um, it it really made a lot of sense. And it, it helped a lot in, you know, the time when I was using them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we um, we use tints in a lot of different ways. Um, you can use a tint, again, I kind of go back to that, well, are we um, doing it therapeutically? Or are we doing it adaptively? Um, if you're someone who has a lot of trouble with photophobia, the brightness of the light, um, you know, we can use different tints to kind of help with that. But also you can have someone who's having difficulty with brightness of light, but then their contrast is poor also. So they can't see curbs, that kind of thing. Right. So luckily in Wyoming, we can have 22 different lighting conditions, weather conditions in the matter of like what, an afternoon maybe? <laughs> um, yep. So, you know, you can have a bright sunny day, you can have a cloudy day, you can have dawn or dusk, you can have uh, a blizzard going on. Um, Sometimes we even get fog up here. So depending on kind of what the conditions are that you're trying to work with, there's different tints that can kind of help, um, I want to say, emphasize what you're missing. So if you're having trouble with contrast, going down a curb, that kind of thing, we might use some a tint that has some yellow to it because that really makes things pop. Or um, you could be like really light sensitive, but you still are having trouble with contrast. So then we get you maybe a darker brown tint with a little bit of yellow to it to kind of help it pop. Some people just really like a flat gray on those bright 
sunny days where, you know, it snowed and everything. Yeah. Um, so we'll use tents in that way, kind of, again, adaptively to just say, okay, well, we'll let some light in. We can let a lot of light in. You can get different levels of tent, very dark compared to very light. Um, or or um, on a computer, for instance, there's different tints that help with a computer. And I know um, you and Dr. Lowe had talked a little bit about the blue light and that kind of thing, but we also have been using some tints that um, help with glare. You can get an anti-reflective coating on your lenses, which helps with the internal bounce of light going through the surfaces of the lenses, lets in parallel light, and so you get a crisper image. Yeah. Um, but you can get a kind of a lilac colored tint on the computer or kind of a pink brown tint on the computer. Um, and, and people will look through it and say, oh my gosh, this feels great. Like it's an immediate feedback yeah. if it's something that's going to be helpful for them. Right. And so um, we do, you know, we have a, a tint kit that we use. Um, we have kind of an idea of what may be helpful, but a lot of it too is subjective. And I've gone outside with people and we've looked through seven or eight different tints and they pick three and we lend them to them and they go home and wear them. And then they come back and tell me what they like. And yeah. then a lot of times we can get them put in a pair of glasses, that kind of thing. So doing the more adaptive type tints um, with respect to your symptoms. And then we also do something here called phototherapy, where we're using different colored filters to kind of help bring your sympathetic and parasympathetic system back into balance. So a lot of times when you're having trouble with that focal ambient system, if your periphery is kind of shut down on you, we can use a different colored tint, have you wear it for 10, 20 minutes a day, and it kind of helps to make your system shift back the way it needs to be. Yeah. So um, we do the phototherapy um, lenses also here in the office, which has been really kind of fun because we get to see a lot of, um, I mean, a lot of people just really get some big changes out of doing the, that treatment. Yeah. I, I think mine were the green lenses for the mm -hmm. phototherapy. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. um, I remember using them at home and looking outside with them, but also I would often take them in the car when we'd be driving to go skiing. Mm -hmm. And, um, because, uh, being in, in the car and outside in Wyoming, it's just so bright. Um, yes. I, I would put them on and it would, it would definitely help make the drive a lot more tolerable <laughs> and, uh -huh. and it would calm me. Uh -huh. It was almost like it calmed me down a little bit. And yep, um, I um, folks that have horrible time. headaches benefit from a, a certain color, more of an indigo blue color. Um, but the lenses that we're using are have been designed for specific wavelengths of light. So yeah, I know like people are going on the internet and they're like, well, I bought these red lenses, and I'm like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I hope they're helping you. This is what we have. This has all been done for many, many years. We know what lenses and what wavelengths to use. It lets certain light, light, you know, wavelengths in. It blocks other ones. Um, and so what we like to do is um, do a trial here in the office with the tents because, you know, I've had people put them on and become very emotional. Yeah. Um, we've had people put them on and they're like, oh, I'm 
not get feeling well, you know. So we do have to kind of watch and see, well, how is somebody going to respond to some of these different colors that we're using um, and then let them do a home trial. Yeah. Um, the other thing that I didn't associate with vision to begin with was memory. And uh-huh. I feel like my short-term memory came back significantly when you um, had me do a lot of these things where I would have to look at these objects in random order and then you'd hide them and then I would have to remember where what order they were in and um, I even did that at home with my kids we'd play a game with it but it it was a pretty big uh, change in my short-term memory coming back Um, but can you talk about how the vision system works with your memory sure So, you know, we all have different learning styles or kind of processing styles. And again, I kind of go into it and really oversimplify it. But um, you can have someone who is maybe more of an emotional or a kinesthetic learner. You learn by doing, you learn by feeling, okay? Yeah. You can have someone who's an auditory learner. So this is someone who talks to themselves. They, um, you know talk their way through it when they're spelling they say the letters out loud or you can have someone who's kind of more visual now are we just one of these things at any given time no but you know you have more strengths in certain areas you're probably using a little bit of everything um but someone who's visual is going to be able to picture it in their head right yeah so you make a movie of it in your head So you can tell, like, I could ask somebody, and I do this little um, thing where I'll say, oh, well, tell me, you know, do you you have a pet at home? Well, tell me about your pet. And I'll have kids that are more kinesthetic or motor are going to be like, oh, he loves it when I throw the ball and he runs and he catches the ball and he jumps really high. So he's going to, they're going to describe everything through that system. Um, Or I can say, well, tell me about your dog. Oh, well, my dog is so yippy and he yaps all the time, but sometimes I can get him to howl and I say, you're a good dog. You're, you know what I'm saying? So now we're, we're doing more speech auditory yeah. or you can be more visual where, oh, tell me about your dog. Oh, well, my dog is a big brown dog with long hair and he's got a long tail and, you know, a black nose. And so now they're describing things visually. Yeah. And so you can kind of key in on what someone's strengths are with respect to how they process information. Yeah. Um, we like people to visualize because you can get the most information in the least amount of time in a visual image. So if you picture the word cat versus spell the word cat, C-A-T, right? You yeah. can picture the whole word so much faster than you can spell it verbally right. or practice writing it 10 times so you learn how to spell it. So now you're remembering how to spell it by the way you form the letters. Um, so what what we like to do is make sure that, okay, if you're not visual, can we help you become more visual? Um And then also, as we start to improve your skills, your convergence, your focusing, your eyes moving appropriately, all those things. So now the information is coming in more accurately, and there's more energy left over for the memory part of of vision. And um, because that's truly what separates us from the animals, they say that we can imagine things in our head and we can reason out 
based on creating things in our head. Yeah. Um, I re- that reminds me of one of the exercises you had me do on the computer was it would be, you know, some sort of article, but it would, it would only show a like six words or a small section of the article as you're reading it. Mm-hmm. So you're not reading it like mm-hmm. you would look at a normal book. And, mm-hmm. and then it would ask questions later about the, what happened and facts. And <laughs> it was really yeah. hard to remember those things because we, because mm-hmm. of how you were looking at um, how the words were shown to you in, in, the, uh-huh. you know, in the article. Yeah. So we're kind of um, at that, with that, what we're doing is we're kind of controlling how much you're seeing and how quickly you're seeing it. And what we're trying to do is get you to a point where you can see the words, but create the picture in your mind with respect to the facts or, you know, was it 1892 and, and, you know, those types of things. Um, so be able to create those images in your mind so that when you go back, you're going back to the pictures in your mind for comprehension. Yeah. So they say a lot of times when you're a good reader, you're not really even, you're not saying the word, you're not really seeing the word, you're looking at the shape of the word and creating the picture. Oh, okay. Wow. And then that's what comprehension is. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. So then we're controlling, you know, well, how fast can we give you the information? Can we make you start moving faster? So, you know, if someone's a slow reader and they want to read faster, then we would do something like that. Start where they're at and start, you know, making it go faster. Yep. (laughs) And let's see how much information we can bring in as we make you move quicker. Yep. Yeah, it was always, always a challenge. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you always did great, Melissa. And, you know, it was a joy to have you in the office because you were self-motivated and you got in there and you wanted to get it done. Yeah. And so that's that's helpful, too. You know, sometimes we're in there and we're uh, motivating people. So and you got to find what makes somebody tick and then find a way to to get them interested in doing what they need to do to get better. So. Right. Yeah. Um, how I guess. From um, some of the cases you've worked with, you know, how long have some people had to go through vision therapy? Has it been an ongoing thing over time or um, is it really short um, depending on what's going on with them? Yeah, I mean, the duration of the treatment, you know, we have estimates for like, okay, this is your diagnosis. And again, we go back to, well, what are your goals? What are your symptoms? Um, and and looking at, you know, what the, the estimated number of hours of therapy would be. Um, and then we take into account, okay, well, this is your history. You know, you've had 10 concussions. You used to be a football player. Okay, well, it might take a little bit longer to help you if you have 20 goals than um, someone who's had one concussion and they just want to be able to look at their tablet without a headache anymore. Right. So, we, so you know, I mean, we do anywhere from a three-month program, six-month program, nine-month program, a year. I've worked with folks where maybe we've done like, you know, a year and then they take a break. And then they come back in six months. 
Yeah. Um, and we do a, a little more therapy um, or they go out and get another concussion and then we have to kind of <laughs> come back and rehab a little bit more. Um, so it's, it's all kind of based on, on the diagnosis, the history of the patient, and then what the goals are. Yeah. Yeah. I remember, um, well, my first session first year was I think six months and then, um, and then the next year was because I relapsed and mm-hmm. it was interesting because my, my issues weren't in my, um, near vision. It was my, um, f- you know, my long distance vision. And so uh-huh. it was, it was changed. There was new goals. We were working on different things and, uh-huh. um, and then, you know, anytime I, would hit my head and get symptomatic for a little bit. I could always call you and you'd have, you'd be like, okay, it's all right. We'll get you in. And, um, <laughs> Let's do a couple things. Yep. <laughs> and then and it then would send you home with home therapy too. Yep, so, you know, everything therapy. we do, we support it with home therapy because when you're in the office, um, you know, we have so many different procedures that we can use. And again, loading a prescri- uh, procedure, making it easier, um, all of that occurs in the office. So we can do a more concentrated therapy, I guess I would like to say, um, while you're here in the office. And then we want you to be able to practice some of those skills at home, kind of in, a, again, a controlled manner. Um so that you're, as you're learning the skills here in the office, you're getting the support from the home therapy that you're practicing that thing that you learned today. Right. Yeah. No, it was a lot. And it was good because there was so much structure to it. And you always had, um, I mean, you were always asking about how it was going. So it would always be like, I have to do it because Lori's going to ask me if I did it. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's good when people come in weekly because they know they have to be accountable for their yep. home therapy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah, you're... but you know, and then life happens, and if you can't get to it, that's okay too. But um, you know, I do have people that maybe don't do any home therapy, and then I see them two or three times a week. Right. And if you can do that, then that's great too. I mean, we try to accommodate what people are able to participate with. And with Wyoming being so rural, you know, we have people who come from all over the state yeah. to see us. I mean, they may travel four hours, six hours to get here. Um, they spend the night in a hotel. We see them two or three times in one day. Um, or I have some people that they just can't do it and they come once a month and they're good about doing their home therapy. Then we're going to support you that way too. Yeah. But typically we like to see people once a week for half an hour to an hour. Yeah. No, it was definitely a full load in that half hour. And that's a commitment. Leave. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It would, mm-hmm. I would feel worked by the end of it. <laughs> yeah. Good. Yeah. And not too bad, hopefully, that you couldn't, uh, you know, cope with the rest of your day, but um, you might have had a little residual effect. <laughs> yeah. I mean, um, I was. So then we know we're working you at the right level. Yeah. You would always ask about that. And, um, make changes if we needed to based on, you know, Mm -hmm. how I was feeling that day. So it was Mm -hmm. really good. And, um, it definitely was a life changer for feeling like, um, 
like I had my myself back. Um, I uh-huh. literally it it changed my life. So thank you, Lori. Oh, good. <laughs> well, thank you, thank you. It, you were a joy to have. We looked forward to seeing your name on the schedule when you were coming in, Melissa. So, <laughs> is there anything else that you think um, is important to discuss or um, make note of? Um, well, I don't. I just feel like um, a lot of times folks have head injuries and they're told, "Well, wait, give it, you know, give it three months, give it six months, that kind yeah. of thing. Things will start to get better." And and I do believe in that. I know that things do start to get better. But what I feel very strongly about, and this is from my perspective of having worked with people, is the sooner we can see you, the better it's going to be because then we can direct that healing process that you're going through. Yeah. Um, and you don't have to maybe maladapt around something that you're having difficulty with. We can help number one, help you cope with some of the symptoms that you may be having. Yeah. Um, and then also direct your healing. Um, because I feel like that's, you know, important too. I don't want someone waiting a year to come in and see us when we could have maybe started seeing yet at week three or week four and got you more comfortable that much sooner. Right. Yeah. Um, I think, I think a lot of people just don't even know that there's mm-hmm. something they can do. And that's what right. I'm hoping. Well, I think vision is kind of taken for granted. We don't understand that we learn to use our eyes, just like yeah. we learn to walk and talk. I mean, you're learning to walk, you see your baby get up and walk across the room. You're learning to talk, they start calling you mom and dad, and you're communicating all of a sudden, right? But we don't realize how much information um, and, and neural pathways that are being developed from the time we're little, um, because we don't really get to see that unless there's something like, oh, we've got an eye turn, or, you know, they're falling down all the time, that yeah. kind of thing, or they seem like they can't see me from across the room. Um, so, so we know that vision's learned and we know that, um, you know, we can change vision. We can always help someone do whatever they need to do to be able to see whatever they want to see if they're willing to change sometimes how they do it. Right. Yep. Yeah. Um, that's really a pretty interesting career. I'm so happy that they hired me when I was uh, 18 years old and came in for an interview. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Because, you know, it just really, uh, it changed my life. And uh, I think I've been able to help other people change their lives. So that's really uh, heartwarming for me. Yeah. Well, you've, you've changed my life, Lori. So (laughs) (laughs) add me to the list. And you did all the work. (laughs) So I appreciate that, Melissa. Um, yeah, no, thank you so much, Lori. Um, and thanks for sharing all this on vision therapy. And I, I hope everyone who listens to it finds it just as exciting and interesting and hopefully, um, you know, pushes that person who needs the help to go yeah. find a vision therapist. Anybody who needs it, give us a call. We're here. Yeah. Yeah, call Snowy Range Vision Center if you're in Wyoming. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Or anywhere else. 
We're happy to, we'll see you wherever you're from. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, thank you, Melissa. And I hope you have a good rest of your day. Yeah, you too, Lori. Have a good one. Thank you. Okay. Thanks again for listening to this episode with Lori Atencio at Snowy Range Vision Center. Again, just as a disclaimer, this podcast is not meant as a substitute for medical or professional advice. If you need help, please make sure you seek out your own um, professionals or doctors and get the help you need. Again, I'm rooting for you out there and I hope you have a great day. I'll talk to you later. Bye.